All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend. We're here to talk about Ember Newsy stuff. And uh, today we have a special holiday episode, an RFC roundup with Robert Jackson of RWJ Blue, a beer fame, and, you know, like basically every PR uh, on Ember. How you doing, Rob? Oh, ho, ho. Doing good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. Nice. So I'm actually really excited to get talking about some of these RFCs. There are There's a ton of movement on Ember right now. So uh, let's just dive in. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice, or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201-TWO underscore O-H underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right. So the first on our RFC roundup is RFC 276 uh, around named argument syntax. And this gives us uh, some uh, convenience or some sugar around this.adders. Is that right, Rob? Oh, uh, yeah, k- kind of. So uh, the rough TLDR is that when you invoke a component, you pass arguments to it. That's not new. That's a like, thing that's been around forever. And this RFC provides a way, to, uh, a, a syntax, a special syntax to access those arguments in that that uh, components template. So basically, like if you invoke a component and you pass like post equals some value, then inside the component, you can say curly curly at post, then you're good to go. If you had read the name blocks RFC, like this, this exact concept is also introduced and talked about there. This is also fundamentally how accessing provided arguments from uh, Glimmer components and Glimmer apps today, like Glimmer.js apps today works already out of the box. Oh, so so what's the um like what's the benefit of doing this with at rather than like why why can't you just say post inside of the uh, inside of the mustaches what what are you trying to prevent so there, there yeah so there's a few things so the the first off is that there is a future I promise where the arguments that are passed to you are not set on this on the context of the component right so when we move to Glimmer components Glimmer components don't have the passing args on the current context, right? So like if you had curly curly post in a Glimmer component, it means this.post, which is the actual some getter or something on the component itself, right? It's not the thing passed to it, right? So this is importantly like a stepping stone to being more prepared for the eventual world where we can use Glimmer components or regular ember.components um, in uh, like sort of interchangeably. Um, and this is just a good like sort of foothold there. It's also nice that you can like syntactically see that this thing is exactly what was passed to me. It's not some mutable object. It's not some thing that I have mutated in my init. Like it's clear that, ah, this is state passed in versus this is my own state. Right. Oh, nice. And it also, it also seems to not have like this, uh, this hiding effect there or kind of a collision. Like if you try to pass in a property called like template or something and the component already defined template, you're not now like, yeah. Right, colliding with yeah, that. Like, like container was a classic example, right? Like it's actually pretty common to want to call a thing container. Uh, but for a long time, and I think maybe even still, but until recently-ish, if you pass container to a thing, you would totally screw everything up. You'd get assertions. It would like go to all hell. But the other issue is that curly curly foo in a template 
is actually ambiguous, right? What does that mean? It could mean a helper right now today. It could totally mean a helper. It could totally mean this dot foo, and you don't know, right? That's already an ambiguity. And if it has a hyphen in it, you're even worse because it could be a, a component, right? Mm-hmm. With at, you know for sure this is a thing passed to me. Very cool. Very cool. This uh, definitely clears up a lot of the this dot adder stuff from previous members. I, I, I always had to ask locks basically what the deal was with this dot adders uh, pretty much every time I reach for it. So. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, so so this.adders in the component instance is not actually addressed or talked about in this RFC because it really is unrelated. We're going to leave it be. Adders.foo in your component, in your template will still continue to work. And even as a matter of fact, the adders.foo syntax is and has been for since Ember 2.10 actually transformed into at foo. Like that is already done, <laughs> <laughs> like behind the scenes. It's just you, the author, can't write at foo. Like, we have an assertion there until we did a, an RFC to add the syntax. So, so like really, all the plumbing has been there. The fundamentals are, are already in place. The, the main problem with this.adders is that, first of all, thinking of them as quote-unquote adders is confusing because like you're talking about in the DOM space, there's a thing called attributes, and that's not what we're talking about. So that is confusing. And secondly, where like in the component instance, if you're in the JavaScript side and you say this.adders, you're getting a very different looking thing than what you get in the template side, right? It's this like mutable object, which is to support two-way binding. And it's like, uh, no, just give me the, just give me the thing. I just want the thing. Give me the thing. <laughs> so yeah, so, so they're very different. And, and eventually I think somewhere down the line, this.adders in, in JS land will be deprecated, but this specific RFC doesn't propose that. It's just saying adders.foo will just not be needed anymore. And we can, we can basically deprecate that once this thing is sort of rolled out. Cool. Cool. And, uh, and I think the, the first couple of RFCs we're going to be talking about today are in the final comment period. So this is, this is pretty close as well, right? This is, this is like pretty much all resolved uh, in the comment period or what? Yeah, so, so I think by and large, uh, like all the people who commented on the thing are, are pretty much plus one. They're pretty positive about it. The core team is also pretty positive about it. The only open thing that I think uh, a recent comment by by some core folks is addressing specifically is like, ah, why do we need a special sigil? Because sigils are hard to Google, for example, uh, which is totally a valid uh, point. Yeah. Um, I think, but, but like the, the, the rough answer is that a sigil is actually really useful, right? It calls out in the template. Like the, this is literally the point to why you have sigils, right? So, uh, right. so I think, uh, so I think that was the only real uh, like blocker in the, in the comment thread. And I think, uh, I think that's been, been addressed nicely and uh, yeah, so so I I feel pretty bullish that will this will be coming to an ember near you, um, uh, in in the new year. <laughs> uh, most likely, just given the current cadence and current status, it will not be an ember 3.0 because, as you guys know, and most of your listeners know, our major versions intentionally try to add no features. Like it's literally just a culling of the previously deprecated stuff. So it's very unlikely we'll like add anything like this to. To 3.0, but it's probably uh, we're pretty close to the 3.1 branch point, so it'll probably try to make we'll try to make its way through 3.1. All right, the next RFC we're going to talk about is RFC 278, and this is about template only components. This has a little bit to do with the next RFC, which is RFC 280, about the this wrapping div that goes along uh, outside the the outermost outlet of your application. Um, so we'll probably get in a little bit of that. But uh, Rob, you want to tell us a little bit w- about this template only component stuff? I mean, I, we've we've heard a little bit about it before, right? Well, yeah, so we have, and, and also like, this is already a thing you can do. You can already have template only components. Like that's not a new concept, but the thing that this RFC is trying to introduce is the idea that 
as a sort of stepping stone in a, in, a, in a bridge to like the future, the a template link component when you opt in with the flag will not include a wrapping uh, div, which is like going to have the Ember view class and like an ID and things. So today, as you know, if you do if you invoke any component, you're going to get that wrapping div. So this RFC proposes a flag to say, ah, for any components that are template only. Don't do that. Essentially, the template becomes the quote-unquote outer HTML of the component. So you control a root uh, element. Uh, you control any classes or anything. You don't have to have an extra level of nesting. It is essentially akin to having a tag name blank specified on your component, right? That, and that is definitely, that's already an API you can do today. But this lets you opt into that, right? So how does this deal with like uh, add-ons that provide components? Are you, are you opting in your application? And then like, uh, can you potentially change the behavior of of how the add-on was trying to be used? Yes, so so that's definitely a problem. It's definitely a thing that add-on authors and and we have like taken seriously and like considered like what the impact is here. The good news is that very few add-ons actually do this. The default generator for a component in an add-on basically makes the JavaScript file and then imports the template into it to do a re-export. So because of that system, most the vast majority of add-ons don't actually do this, right? But if they did, and they actually had in the app directory of the add-on a template-only component, it is potentially breaking to them if an, if, a ho- if an app that's hosting the add-on updates, right? But the fix is like massively simple, and it's just to add a JS file, right? Like just an empty JS file that is, or not empty, just to export default Ember component, essentially. So, uh, so we did a, a quick survey of like through Ember Observer and like looked through a bunch of add-ons, and it's actually it's not never it doesn't never occur, but it's extremely rare, and it doesn't occur in like top 100, uh, 150 add-ons that we looked through. So, would they would they have just a template-only component? I, I've never tried to do this, but if an, if an add-on say wasn't wasn't being updated or wasn't updated fast enough, is there a way to import the template from your application and then just use your you know your exported version of that? Yep, yep, exactly. And and you can also, so because components and helpers are still resolved relative to your app directory, just putting a JS file in your app's app directory would also solve the problem, right? Like if, if, if an add-on was like fire and forget three years ago or something, right? Like that's the kind of thing you're talking about. You know, if, if that were the case, then you could easily mitigate in the app when the app opts in by setting a, a like say it's foobar component, right? And it's just had a template before. If you put a file in app slash component slash foobar, and then the file just has to be export default component, boom, you're back to the old world, essentially. But but I will say that most people don't really care about the wrapping div, right? Like wrapping div doesn't actually add, if you have no code in the JS file, the wrapping div doesn't add any inherent functionality. The, the, the breakage is more likely to be on the CSS side where you might do like direct child sort of selectors or only style and reviews or something like that, which is also fairly uncommon, right? Like yeah, most definitely. people style the classes or the things you care about, right? Yeah, the thing I was worried about specifically was that, uh, yeah, I've seen in CSS where somebody would say, you know, the body and then the first, you know, the first div and then the next thing in it, that's the thing I actually want. And they, they're very specific about the style. And then when you start moving around, you know, which div is which, or, or, or having a wrapping div or not, it can end up breaking styles. But, um, but yeah, if you're, it, depending on how you're doing styling, it won't even happen. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's for the, the other RFC, the 280, right? So for this one, the template-only component one, we're basically only talking about like specifically t- template-only components. And let me tell you a small secret that's not very secret. The combination of the named argument syntax and the template-only components syntax basically means that in a template-only component, you are using Glimmer components. This is the bridge, right? We are actually going to be able to have the future sometime soon. <laughs> 
Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, so, so basically you get at foo on the inside. And the reason that is required for this to work properly is that otherwise, where is curly curly foo coming from, right? That's why it's important these two things sort of are related to each other, but they stand alone independently, right? Because like curly curly foo today, like our post or something, some curl, some mustache inside the template right now refers to this dot, that thing. But if we are taking away the this by not instantiating a component instance for template-only components, now wh- what are you referencing, right? So that's why named arguments paired with this one essentially means that template-only components are Glimmer components. That's very cool. We've always been talking about how uh, Glimmer and Ember are, are at some point going to collide, and, and you know they have to be coming toward each other. But it's interesting that a lot of the work gets done under the hood, and all of a sudden, just like uh, you know, a switch gets flipped, and then you're like, oh, I'm already doing that, and I didn't realize it. It's a good yeah. way to test it too. It's it's a it's a great approach. We're actively pushing. Like so, the next thing is is basically now now we can make it so that the JS base class can determine the type of component. So one of the really early feedbacks that we had with the real, original Glimmer component impl- implementation in Ember one thirteen, if you would believe that, was that like ah how do I like how does an add on support both worlds or how do you interop right like I want to use angle bracket invocation but um, have curly semantics or something right. So decoupling what it means to be a template-only component from what it means, like what the JS base class can provide you, means that we can actually support a really nice migration path that allows you to use, for example, angle invocation for classic Ember components and, and use curly invocation for Glimmer components. And it doesn't actually change the, the final result in like the DOM, essentially. Yeah, so um, so I noticed that uh, the way that both of these add-on or both of these um, RFCs do the thing is they switch a flag on, and they're I think both of them are going to have like an add-on that you opt into. Does that mean since it's going to be like a kind of a hidden like what is it a privileged flag? Does that mean that it could be released sooner, or is this also something that's kind of slated for three point one? So template only components and named args are likely three point one, not because it's impossible to get them in sooner. Like the version of Glimmer that Ember is using today supports those two features, but mostly just as a, like the work is done on master behind a feature flag. We don't add new features in major versions, so we'll probably enable it in 3.1. So in the comment threads of both of these RFCs, or actually all uh, all of the RFCs, I think actually, uh, there is a comment with a twiddle that shows you, ah, look, this is in Canary. You you can enable the flag, and here's how it looks when you use this, right? So there's these most of the code for all of these are landed uh, already, and you can basically use them if you're willing to use Canary builds um, right now. So let's talk a little bit more about 280 then. Yeah. I think we kind of covered most of it, but basically 280, uh, we were saying this is doing kind of the same idea, except for that you don't want that first div inside of a body before your application. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, and first of all, I apologize to everyone that had to read two RFCs. Basically, it's my fault. Uh, Godfrey thought that they are essentially feel like the same thing. And I think other people also feel like they're the same thing. But to me, it was very specific. Like one addresses many components and this addresses just the wrapper div around the root application view, if you will, or what used to be an application view. So, so that's why there's two. But um, but I think the the fundamental thing is exactly like what you said before, which is that we don't actually need that root div at all. Like we don't do anything with it. Ember doesn't do anything with it. It's only there because people are known to style based on it. Like they'll they'll pick the first child of body to do some styling stuff. And now if we remove the div, then we break their app, which is like, obviously that's like a weird position to be in for Ember. 
And so, so that's a concern for us. So, so this is like a flag you opt in at the app level, and which makes sense because it only affects the app. And it basically just controls whether you get a wrapping div around the root element or not. Uh, sorry, around the root application template or not. The mitigation for your app is super simple. You opt into this thing, then you just add a div in your application template that you can control and you can style and add classes to. It becomes massively easier to reason about, even if you want to style like first child or something. So I think the downsides are very low and the upsides are very nice. Yeah. So does this have an issue where when you enable this now, your your application template has to have a root element or just a it single root element? No, it's not required to have anything. It can, it can be unchanged. If you didn't care from a styling perspective about having a wrapper around all of your contents, if you didn't need that, then you don't change anything. Like literally opt into the flag, you lose one div, it's great. Everything is wonderful. Ah, very nice. Okay, so so maybe it may, I guess I, I didn't ask the question for the template one, but with the template only components, do those require just a single a single component or a single root? No, nope. a single root element. Nope. No, no. Nope. Okay. So uh, for a Glimmer VM, uh, a recent ish update of Glimmer changed the way components work, and the change is essentially that every component is treated as a quote unquote fragment, which is like you can have many root di- uh, elements. Sorry. And, you know, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. So you can totally, in the template-only component world, you can totally have many root divs or root uh, elements, and it's totally fine. A prior rendition of Glimmer VM um, totally would have asserted in that case. It would have it said, like, you can only have one because we haven't basically considered what it means to have many. So the next RFC we're going to talk about is uh, RFC 281, and it's around ES5 getters. So we were just talking about this a little bit before we started recording this section. Um, this only covers getters, but not setters. Uh, Robert, you want to kind of like walk us through um, some of this stuff? Yeah, so, so the rough TLDR is that doing the setter part is actually a lot more complicated than doing the getter part. And in our apps, we almost always are using get and we're using set very uh, like much less, right? So we can like, turns out we can have nice things and still uh, <laughs> defer some of the hard problems to managing the state with set a little bit separately. And if you look at other frameworks like React or Vue, there are, are like all of them have a mechanism by which you're managing set differently than get, right? Like React has like set state uh, versus like your local props. It's, it's a concept that is not super foreign to folks. So, so we decided that we could actually decouple removing get from set in this way. So the, the rough TLDR is if you define a commuted property on a, an Ember object, when we at extend time, essentially, uh, we will install a getter, uh, like a regular getter, on that, that class. And, uh, and then when you, like this dot full name, if you will, it'll just call the computer properties getter for you instead of calling this dot get full name. Uh, that is basically the beginning and the end of the RFC. That, that's, <laughs> that's like it. Just, it just works. There's no magic. We've had ES5 getters since basically 2.0. But some internal refactors made it quite difficult to do this sort of thing. And also, we, we as a core team, were mentally coupling the set behavior with the get behavior, which, again, like I said, is actually quite a lot more complicated. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I never really thought about it. But yeah, get, get is so much more common in our apps that that, that is going to remove just a ton, of, a ton of code. And also a lot of, um, I've noticed that's a lot of, that's where a lot of churn happens on my apps because... There, you know, there's the syntax of doing this dot get versus get this thing, and people have different preferences. Some people like everything to be uniform, so they want it all to be get, and then other people will want they don't they they know that the thing that they're talking about has get, so they'll do this dot get. Yeah. But that constantly is changing, and this is going to make it very trans or, or 
I don't know, I don't know about transparent, but it's definitely going to make it uh, look simpler. And it, at that point, it actually doesn't matter whether it's a POJO you're dealing with um, or whether it's yeah. something that has, has it's gonna, been It's basically just, it's not going to matter whether or not you get or not, right? So like, there's no distinction. There's no need for clarification. You're just, you're just saying, hey, I want this property. Yeah, and, and it feels like JavaScript. But like, so there's, there's two main things. First of all, to your point, Chase, anybody that uses .get, this like basically dot get on a on a passed in thing or something it isn't literally prefixed by the word this is doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. If if you're getting past an object or you're working on a foreign object, always call him or dot get. Anyways, that is a sorry separate aside. But 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 the 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 real thing that I'm very excited about this for is because I just want to destructure from this all the property values that I want in my various getters or in my like action or something. And I don't want to have to call this.get five times or get properties and destructure from that. I just want to say, let curly full name close curly equals this and be done. And this lets that happen. And it's lovely. Oh, so speaking of that, how would destructuring work? Like if you did like destructuring of multiple properties, is that just, just transparently work. working? Getters? Just okay. Yeah. Because really all, it does it. Is calls the, all it does is like, so the transpiled output is like, Defining multiple variables like foo oh, yeah. equals this dot foo bar equals this dot bar like that. That's how the transpiled output is, and the non-transpiled output like if you have if you only support browsers that support it, it it's literally just accessing the getter on this or on the on the thing here on the right hand side, right? Mm-hmm. So it like just works and it's glorious. <laughs> Sounds great. I feel like this is something that's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, so there's a couple of uh, specific problems. The first one is that in the 1.x series of Ember, we accidentally, well, we, as a performance optimization, moved where computer properties are defined to the instance of, sorry, to the prototype of the given object. And they used to be in the meta before that. And if you access today, if you have a CP on a given object and you say this dot, you just call this dot that computer property name, like full name, if you will. Today, you actually get a value back. It's like a computed property instance, and it's like this weird thing that itself has methods called get and set. So some people were just spelunking around in the dev, in the dev tools and saw this. So they, they think that you can call this.somecp.get and have it return the right value. That thing uh, will be broken by this. But like that's really uncommon, and it shouldn't. it was never intentionally supported. And frankly, it's already broken in many cases. Like the dependent keys aren't considered when you do that. And it only works for volatile uh, CPs, for example. Anyways, that is a like a thing that gets broken. And that's explained in the RFC and like what it means. What we'll probably do is add, like, add, add an assertion. If someone tries to access sub properties on the, on the getter via like a proxy or something, a dev time assertion, I don't know. But, uh, but that, those are the only like caveats or downsides, basically. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm actually really excited to 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 see this in practice. Just just as a side note, do you know if the um, the auto uh, the auto computed properties thing is ever going to be an RFC like the the add on that that uh, I can't remember who's writing it, but the one where it automatically determines what computed property what 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 cache buster keys you need. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I think it's Ember Awesome Macros. It's Kelly Seldon's thing. Uh, it was also done as a decorator version in the Ember package that I maintain, which is Ember Decorators. Um, we are deprecating that behavior in Ember decorators because like we're trying to prepare for like the next stage and 
we think that you should opt into that auto key behavior, basically. So uh, basically, because like otherwise, now that the real hitting the getter will fire off the the get of a CP. Now, like all of a sudden, passing these things in could actually be quite a lot more expensive, right? So that's mm-hmm. the that's the concern. So I think Ember Awesome Macros is totally a thing that should exist. I don't think it has to be part of core. I think it's an awesome add-on. And I think we should totally continue to do that kind of thing. The fact that you can destructure from this removes, to me, a lot of the duplication, except for the dependent key part, which is still slightly annoying, if you ask me. So it would be nice if we could continue this like line of, of reason and go to like a... So, for example, if we have uh, getters, actual native getters that do the CP, in theory, it's actually possible for us to build up the dependent keys automatically, right? That's a thing that we could know, right? Because you, you hit the CP during the evaluation of another CP, so boom, now we can track those, right? So that kind of thing, I would love to see us continue down that path. There's some work in the Glimmer component space with at tracked uh, decorator to do this like auto track is what they called it. So it's very similar, like it basically makes a stack. When you enter into a, a tracked property, then it like, creates a stack to track all the things you accessed essentially. And then like now that those are your dependent keys. So I think the future is is down that path as well, right? Like we're going to continue exploring. The main caveats is obviously we don't want to make every compute property much more expensive. There's a big performance concern. So whatever we do has to be like with that in mind. In the case where you have a CP that's not super common or like, so there's two different kinds of CPs. There's the kinds that you call once or twice in like a given template. And there's the kinds that you call, call like thousands of times every app render so maybe having two different computed uh, things makes sense, right? The, the things that are super performance sensitive could use one, uh, and the things that are less common but like still really convenient could use another, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, yeah, and I understand there's, there's got to be a lot of complexity in it, especially if you're doing like a, a switch to, or like or you know some kind of conditional inside, and the first time through it doesn't match that conditional, and so it says, oh, you don't ever use the, use those things. But then the next time that condition is true. Now, exactly. Now you have to validate. And it turns out cache invalidation is kind of not simple. <laughs> it's like one of the mm. one of the big deals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely a thing that I'm still interested in. I added the reason I wrote the Ember Decorators package the first time, like originally when decorators were first proposed, like stage zero, was literally for this purpose. Like I didn't want to. I wanted to say at computed open paren some strings and then have those things passed into a method that you're calling. Right. That is literally why I wanted the thing. So that will exist in some form or another as an add-on anyways, because that, that part is easy, right? With a decorator, like roughly it's like decorators are magic and magic things can do magic things. So that's fine. But I think it's probably going to take something like an auto-computed or auto-tracking system in Ember to make it like a default out-of-the-box experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. But, but you should totally opt in with the, the decorator in the cases where you want to use it. There's nothing, there's no downsides to that. Um, it's just... In the deep internals, like we have to be very careful about how we're like all the the performance budget is very small, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So the next one we're going to talk about is RC two eighty four, and this is called splitting up Ember into packages. And I have not actually read this one yet, so this is brand new to me. So I'm gonna let, <laughs> I'm gonna let Robert do all of the talking. I I, th- I think this is the the promise of theoretically. NPM installing your your way to Ember is that is that right, Rob? Yes, that's exactly it. So the the goal is basically that. It should theoretically be possible, if you care a lot, to be able to start off with something that's very simple, like maybe just renders a component like Glimmer.js, and eventually end up with all of Ember on a continuum, right? Like you can like bring in packages as you need them, along and along, and things kind of just play together and work well in combination. 
So the RFC, as, as written now, basically says, ah, okay, all of the people, they're happy with the current thing, are going to stay on this current thing, and they're totally fine, right? If your app doesn't have bite-sized concerns, um, maybe it's internal app, maybe maybe you're totally comfortable with the, the size of, of the final build outputs and stuff, uh, and you're not, like, tuning it for, like, mobile on, like, 2G or something, you don't need extra hassle, you don't need extra work, just stay with Ember Source, and you're going to be happy. For the people that do want to do that, we want to make Ember a viable option in that space, just like Glimmer.js apps are today. So, uh, so the idea is that we will ba- essentially split out and publish many smaller packages, like em- at Ember slash core might be essentially akin to what Glimmer.js is, where it can just render templates, um, has some small amount of DI, and that's kind of it, right? Then you might want to bring in like another package like routing, and if you not need to manage the URL, you're not like an embedded or something. So now you can bring in at Ember slash router and like things just work. And that's the, that's the goal. That's the vision. That's the future. The question is how exactly to get there. And some concern from folks in the RFC thread is like, why do I have to care about this? This seems like a thing that I don't care about in my app. Most apps don't care. Productivity-based apps or apps where you boot it once in the morning and you literally use the app in the entire day, they don't care about this kind of stuff, right? So, and the answer to those folks is that you don't have to worry about it. That's the point. The point of the RFC is just opening Ember up to a new audience that it can't access today because of other constraints and requirements, right? So there's some specifics in the RFC that talk about how add-ons can say what features they require for the add-on to function so that we can provide good uh, assertions or or build time. Like, hey, you have this add-on. It says it needs routing because it depends on the router somehow, but you didn't you didn't have at Ember slash router, right? So so we can give some nice ergonomics there, and then the other factor, which is likely to change it some somewhat in future revisions, is that like at any given time, at Ember slash core could break out additional sub packages, right? You could have any other sub package. Maybe it breaks out the Ember object as a separate package, and it used to include it, for example. So the idea here is that it's fine for at Ember slash core to break out other packages, and as long as you use our upgrade tool, you'll like always have the right combo of things in your package JSON. So that particular bit is what got the most pushback in the RFC, and I think it's totally valid, valid um, and I felt similarly as well. Um, and it's basically that, well, in an NPM world, people kind of expect a caret dependency, like you know, caret you know, one dot x dot x to actually be compatible continuously. Um, and if you break out packages and no longer include them, you either need a major version bump or you need to figure it out, essentially. So I think though that area of the RFC will probably continue to get some tweaks and some, some work. I think most likely we'll do both things. Like we'll basically make more frequent major version bumps for these smaller packages. So at Ember slash core, likely we'll have a different major version than Ember source, for example, or what we consider is the current Ember version. And then also... We will likely, as we break things out, just to be able to continue development, we'll probably have those broken out things as direct dependencies of the smaller packages until the next major version. So, so I think both of those scenarios will end up happening, and that'll like satisfy the Semver lawyers and <laughs> the, the like the ergonomics of actually dealing with these packages. I think that makes a lot of sense. So this sort of like decomposition of uh, these packages and the smaller packages. Well, that, uh, that that should facilitate some easier interop between Glimmer packages as well, right? So there could theoretically be some like easier plug-and-play kind of um, ways to get the more advanced features from Glimmer into Ember, or is that 
yeah. not necessarily kind of a part of this world. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that is a slightly tricky question. I will answer it in my personal opinion, not the official opinion of anyone. And that is that when we have an at Ember slash core, Glimmer.js as a separate entity framework is likely not useful, right? Like Ember slash core could basically be the thing Glimmer, the, the fill the same void that Glimmer.js, the application framework fulfills. And, and, and basically, if you just want to render components, and that, that's what Glimmer.js apps do, you could just bring this, and it's basically a wash. It's the same thing. That's the idea. There's other things that were experimented in, in, uh, in Glimmer.js, like attract as a decorator. Those will probably come to Ember, like in the same sort of fit of RFC magic that we're sort of going through now and having this like development period and, and thought period. But, but I don't think they're fundamental to what makes a Glimmer.js app, right? Um, it's just like a nice thing that we experimented in the Glimmer space. So I, did, I, did I answer the question? Did that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, basically, the idea is that once this is kind of done, the the experimental side where Glimmer exists right now to, as an application framework, um, not necessarily the rendering engine itself, but as an, as a, as the the smaller application framework would basically be basically the same thing as the core. Yeah. Um, where you just have the smaller subset of packages from Ember. So right. there, this is very congruous with the with the ideas that are already in Glimmer but they're just kind of bringing over the modularity from the Glimmer ecosystem into the Ember ecosystem right. what, when you want it, I guess. Right. And a while back, uh, just after EmberConf, I wrote a blog post about what does Glimmer mean? Does Glimmer mean Ember's dead? That kind of thing. Uh, and the answer was basically no. The, the Glimmer is like a, a place for us to experiment. Glimmer.js, I mean, is a place for us to experiment with things that need to come back to Ember, but we don't, like, we have to make sure they work, or we have to vet them and make sure the performance is good, or test to see the various combina- combinations and have real-life actual results, right? So this is just the fruition of that uh, in, my, in my, my mind. Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's very cool. So I did have a question earlier, and I think it's, it's perhaps a little trolly of a command, but uh, of an idea. But is there actually going to be an explode command? Like, I where, have, well, I will type Ember explode. I have no idea, but that seems great. I would love to write that add-on. <laughs> Doesn't that the, sound the, the, the basic gist is that a given, like, so the way to think about it is that a given Ember source version is essentially mapped to a given subset of the the the, the split out packages, right? So Ember source two dot eighteen might be exactly the same as if you had had at ember slash core, at ember slash routing, at ember slash whatever, all the things, like whatever list in your direct dependencies. Like there's no difference to you as the consumer. That's the idea. So explode would literally just take some mapping. There's like, ah, what is the ember source version I have? And boom, map it out to the exact subset of packages that ship that essentially were dependencies of ember source. That's the, the rough idea. If you're familiar with the Rails ecosystem, it's basically similar to what like Rails is. Rails itself Gem install Rails is essentially a meta package that brings, you know, active record, active support, active, whatever action pack or right. I don't know, whatever. Sprockets. I don't know. <laughs> Sprockets. It's been yeah, a long you're, time. You're, I don't know. It's been a long time. You, I was about to say, you're, you're revealing your age. <laughs> <laughs> it has a been a while. Bit. But but the point is, like, <laughs> it's it's roughly like Ember Source will map to some list of other packages that it itself hopefully depends on directly, right? So Explode is literally just like swapping out the one dependency for a list of many dependencies. So that you can manage them. And maybe you decide, like, ah, I can drop this one. I don't use reduce macros or something. Like, whatever. Yeah, the, the greatest one in here is that uh, I don't use partials, so I'm going to remove Ember partial. And I'm like, yes, definitely. Yes, please. <laughs> Die. It'll fire. 
Yeah. So good. many problems. All right. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. And and one of the other things I, w- I was just thinking about specifically with what you're talking about, removing some of the others, or once you explode them out, it becomes a little bit hard to track, like if you have multiple apps in a company, but you could totally just publish a private, you know, your own company's Ember kind of standards around mm-hmm. which things you use and you can actually republish that you know, privately or something. Yeah, there, there should be. So there may be something special in the small term, in the medium term or beginning term. But in the end, there should be nothing special about Ember Source that another add-on couldn't do. So you're exactly right. Like you should, you should totally be able to write your own MyFoo Ember version, Ember dependencies or something, and just maintain that in one place and then upgrade that over time as your group of products uh, or projects uh, grow or change. And that should totally mm-hmm. continue to work. I think I think that's a, a perfect way to think about it. Now, you, you should still be able to modify, tweak, whatever in the host apps, and we should still get things like tree shaking, even if you use Ember Source, right? So it's not like you don't get any nice things if you don't if you use Ember Source, or like if you if you don't use certain modules, we still totally want to not ship them, right? Mm-hmm. Just like it's it's the difference is that the app is saying explicitly, I don't want this, versus ah, I don't happen to use it, so let's not let's not right. Do it. Right, because like NPM doesn't have some facility for you to say, I want Ember Source except for Ember Partial. So you would have exactly. to have someone in the app saying, I'm not going to use Ember Partial, disable it, don't compile it in. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's the idea. So like when you do the explode thing, you can you can just like say that. The other thing that this RFC proposes is like a way for your app to say, I expect these features from this thing. And you can override what it provides. Now, it's hard to say as we continue to iterate this particular RFC, I, I suspect that this RFC unlike the other ones, has a lot more iteration to go through as we continue through the community feedback period. Like, for example, the, the feedback about, like, hey, this is weird to require an upgrade command. It's totally valid. That's a real thing that, that you know, uh, seemed seemed fine if we require an upgrade thing because most people don't want to have to manually manage the package JSON. But it's a totally fair critique, right? So, so as we continue through that process, I think we're going to continue to refine what this looks like. And I think we'll also continue to say, ah, okay, well, Svelte, as a concept is a thing we've talked about before, and it will it will eventually be replaced by this like exploded uh, package thing. And if uh, you you have a specific package for a specific feature, like partials or like bindings in the old like in Ember 2x, you have like foo binding, a capital B binding for those of you that have been around a long time. And like it, it, so like most people don't care about that. That's not a thing you want the user you do use, but everyone pays the cost uh, and and doesn't ship them or has to ship the bytes for that support. So the, the whole idea of this is like re- invert that, change it to the folks that care about the thing can can pick whatever things they want, right? And we can use add-ons as a way, even if it's just a way to provide a flag that the rest of the system is aware of, that's all private details, but like, that's fine, right? We just need to build a thing and we need it to work. So we've been doing this RFC roundup for a while now. Uh, it's a, This is a pretty long episode. And, uh, you know, that makes me kind of wonder, there, there's a lot of RFCs that are kind of coming through um, and there's a bunch in final comment period what what sparked this sudden RFC rush? There's been quite a few, and uh, anyone who's pinged into the uh, Ember CLI, or sorry, the Ember Slack channel for the announcements, you're seeing RFC after RFC for the last couple of weeks. Um, what's what's the deal with that, Rob? Yeah, so uh, a few things. Yeah, I totally got confused when I saw an RFC announcement. I thought it was an RFC that had already been there, but it was a new one, so I got confused. Anyways, so uh, so the, the short version is that we so the Ember Core team does uh, these face to face meetings quarterly. We just recently had one in Orlando, Florida, uh, a couple weeks ago. And one of the points of this RFC, or uh, sorry, this face-to-face, sorry, was to like figure out what the like vision for these sorts of things are. Um, and one of the, the the points that we took to heart was like waiting for the perfect design 
in things like the getters, moving to ES5 getters and setters. Waiting for the perfect design for the setter side means that we can't have nice things now for the getter part, which is much more common, right? So we decided to like, ah, well, let's figure out if we can make, build a bridge, if you will, from here to the future where we want to be for things like Glimmer components. We've been talking about them for all, it feels like forever. Uh, it hasn't been that long, but it feels like a very long time. And, <laughs> and we still don't have them. And why, why not? So, so we laid out, okay, so uh, like, for example, in this case, Godfrey came up with a plan to like, ah, if we can add named arguments and we can do template components, boom, now those things are Glimmer components. And now we've sort of, sort of backdoored our way into like being able to figure out what to do on the JS, for the JS base class side, right? So, uh, so part of the face-to-face this past time was we took the better part of a whole day to literally sit down and write RFCs. We talked about what we wanted to do, what the vision, where, where the path was for the, the framework. And then we spent the time together as a group to write the RFCs. And then, of course, Godfrey did a ton more work uh, on his own after that. But like we, we sketched out what we wanted, right? So, uh, so I think there are two main reasons. First, uh, we were all together and we had this realization that you know, perfection is the enemy of the good kind of thing, right? So we, mm-hmm. we we decided, like, there are some cases where we can do a partial step and get us closer to the end zone, and then we can, like, reevaluate. And then also, we're all together, and it's easier to spitball and do the RFC outlines type stuff together collectively. So um, so that's that's what happened in this case. And, uh, and then, like, prior to that, we had had a number of RFCs in a row about, like, testing. I've been just kind of continually droning on and on about testing um, and sort of pushing that forward. So, so it's all like sort of in the same vein. Definitely. So basically, uh, if we want a lot of stuff to happen in Ember all at once, we just need to send all of you guys to Florida. <laughs> yeah. So Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. So you know, something <laughs> about doing Space Mountain made me think my life might not be so long. So I... <laughs> You know, had to had to had to figure out how to get all these features in Ember that so, I. So, I, so your 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 bucket list is a bunch of Ember features that you wish you had implemented. <laughs> well, you know, hey, <laughs> we all have our uh, burdens to bear. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so I did I did notice, um, you know, as we were going through these RFCs um, for RFC rundown, there were I don't know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of RFCs, and some are moving faster than others, and I I kind of think uh, we were talking briefly before the podcast that there's some discussion around like an RFC RFC or like a, like basically discussing like changes to the RFC process to make it like more transparent and easier for outsiders, you know, anybody, not even outsiders, like insiders too, to better understand, you know, where the work is being done and how they can advocate for changes in inside of the Ember ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, exactly. So, so there, there will be an RFC RFC uh, getting all meta, <laughs> but uh, but the, the the basic gist is that few a few major things like Ember CLI have his, his own RFC process and and we're gonna try to fold that into the main Ember one because it's like really confusing now what goes where even for me like uh, is this an Ember CLI feature is this an Ember feature like things like testing well Ember itself doesn't gonna do anything about the testing but like Ember CLI is gonna provide add-ons so like who where's this go anyways that's all gonna go away and then the other thing as we merge the two. Uh, thing that we do in Ember CLI that's really really helpful is we have this concept of champions, um, and it's like part of the te- the RFC process, which is that essentially to advance your RFC, someone needs to re- someone you need a champion to represent the RFC in the core discussion. So we have weekly core calls for both CLI and Ember Data, or so not both, but many th- many projects: Ember CLI, Ember Data, Learning Team, Ember itself. Glimmer itself, Glimmer DI, all sorts of stuff. There's there's lots of stuff happening. And for a given RFC to be advanced, we realized that 
there's a ton of RFCs, like you said. There's like 70-something open RFC, maybe more, actually. Right. But whatever the number is. 66. I'm looking at the repo right now. So there are 66 open RFCs, but like, what? how do we either move them forward or close them or figure out what to do? Like, some of them are proposed and they're good RFCs, but no one's representing them to the core team. You know, it, it's impossible to read all the things and stay on top of everything at once. So if someone doesn't represent the RFC together with the core team, it's really hard to push forward on the RFC without without that. So I think one of the concepts we're going to bring over for Ember CLI is the idea of a core champion, essentially like someone to sort of carry water for the RFC in the core calls as we do them. So in Ember CLI, the core calls are open. So we would like invite people to join the calls. If you have a thing you want to discuss, we can totally discuss the RFC. Obviously, we stay focused on big picture stuff and not, I have this bug, please help me. But, uh, you know, it's it's totally a reasonable path, right? Like, so we've had a number of like prominent add-on authors who aren't necessarily on the Ember CLI core team come in and represent their RFC and, and made great progress there. On the Ember side, it's more likely that the better bet is to convince one of the Ember core members to like represent the RFC or champion the RFC to try to help push it forward. So I think that's the main change. That's the thing that we're going to try to do because right now that's very not clear. And so there's a ton of really great RFCs that are sort of languishing because the, the, it's not obvious. How do I make progress? Like, well, who am I supposed to ping? What am I supposed to do? So I think that's right. what the RFC RFC will try to address. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that very much. I, I, I think that uh, the RFC process is really great. It's one of the, it's one of the better parts of the Ember ecosystem as a whole. I think the idea that it, they, you know, the, the effort, the attempt to be, you know, as transparent as possible with their user base, really. But yeah, you're right. It would be nice to have more clarity on like how you can advocate for change, and that's this seems like a, a good a good step. I'm actually really looking forward to that RFC. Yeah, it's a tad meta, but I think it's it's really important to do, and it's also important to be clear to people that are users that have ideas that want to propose RFCs. Like, how do they advance it? Right, like that's the thing. That's right, really important. exactly. And there's usually mechanisms to to reach out to core. Obviously, there's you know like the RFCs, even if they don't necessarily get push forward, I'm almost 100% positive that every RFC is read by every quarantine member mm-hmm. or, or, or pretty close. Yeah. So, you know, like a well-thought-out RFC is still probably the best way to get the attention of of core. Yep. Well, and, and also there's, there's Slack, there's like Twitter sometimes. Right. There's like yeah. a whole bunch of ways to get a hold of quarantine members. I know a bunch of us are pretty active in Slack. Some of us aren't because there's just too much other stuff going on. But uh, but a bunch of us are still pretty active. And, and I think the, the best way to advocate is is to ping and get a core member. And, and I think the, the other side is we need to be better as a core team about closing RFCs that we don't think are good for the future and saying, like giving a thoughtful response saying, look, this feature, one, two, like whatever the reasons are, one, two, three, four, we don't think this is a good fit. Thanks for your time. Like not be jerks, but also like, I feel like it's more, it's worse to leave it languish forever when we know we're never going to do a thing than it is to close an RFC. Right. right. So, you know, so, so I think those are all takeaways and I hopefully all of those things are incorporated into the RFC RFC. All right. So I think that's, uh, that's it for the RFC roundup. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show, Rob. This was super informative. I did not know about half of these RFCs and they're all really, really cool. So yeah, thanks. No problem. Uh, as you have found out, it is actually harder to get me to be quiet than to get me talking. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. 
So normally we ask our guests to uh, title the episode, and that's tradition that I would like to keep, continue. But uh, I think you you kind of expressed the the desire to not do that this time. So I picked one for you from something you said earlier, which is magic things can do magic things, which I think is quite hilarious. I think you were referring to decorators. Sounds perfect. Fans. <laughs> Great. So yeah, so I guess that's it for uh, for this Ember weekend. Uh, we'll be back probably after the holidays. As you have probably found out, we've been a little bit slow to release lately. We hope to get back into a normal schedule of releases once uh, Chase and I are decluttered. Our, our schedules are decluttered a little bit in the next um, uh, couple weeks. So we'll see you after the holidays. And yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for sticking with us through the end. Thanks to our editor, Joel, for doing all the editing for this very long episode. Add us on uh, Twitter at Ember Weekend, all one word. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we'll see you next week.